welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name is Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we are here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 235, the early October 1988 issue on sale June 7th of 1988, cover price of a dollar. This one's titled... Welcome to Genosha. Dot dot dot. We'll get to that rest of the rest of the title later. Yeah, um, it's it's a cover. It's not a good cover, but it's a cover. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on the weak side. I mean, just everything about it is not very good. Um, the first and foremost, it's uh, I hate to be this guy. It's it's Rick Leonardi. Just not a fan. I don't have a thing against Rick Leonardi and, and, and going through again, I was like you, uh, Rick Leonardi, but this time going through it, I've actually enjoyed his artwork more. I mean, he's got a very distinct style, but this issue is probably the weakest of all of the Rick Leonardi stuff that we have, we have covered thus far. And it starts with this cover. The, the colors are muddled. The characters all have something wrong with them. It just, it looks, it's not his best work. Uh, and, and you never know. Uh, I think this is an inker we're also not used to. P. Craig Russell. Yeah. Um, at least as far as I know, this is his first work that we're seeing in, uh, the X-Men. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I haven't been paying attention to the inkers lately. <laughs> well, it's the first time I, I recall seeing his name. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty much been Dan Green, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. it, it's an interesting cover. You've got like some soldiers in the foreground, uh, that are kind of in blue, like muted blue and gray colors. And then you have the X-Men in the background, uh, full color. Uh, and then clearly somebody didn't do any layouts because, um, poor Psylocke's face is covered up by the X-Men logo. <laughs> I mean, you got it, uh, Havoc works cause his face is tucked out from underneath an arm uh, Rogue's face is kind of like in front of a gun. Wolverine's is below a head, uh, and everybody else is just there uh, except for Psylocke. She's just like, I think Rick Leonardi's like, "Well, I got this idea," and he drew it. And he's like, "Oh, darn it! I forgot about the logo." <laughs> and yet there is a person on the right hand side that is in front of the logo. Yeah, it, it's weird because the logo also goes over the little Marvel box, which for some reason only has Wolverine and Colossus. Did did we ever talk about like how the decisions were made for who goes in that box? No. Do you know something about that? I wished, but there's got to be, I mean, one could logically conclude and they would be incorrect that the, the, the prominent X-Men or uh, hero uh, heroes are the ones that are featured in that box, which would be incorrect because that's not how it works. There are definitely sketches for every X character ready for the box to be choose from. But, you know, every now and then they've got, like, all the X-Men smashed in there. And then you have maybe sometimes a, a full pay, a full um, illustration of Wolverine or Storm or whoever. And in this case, it's just Wolverine and Colossus. And the, uh, listeners, if you have, like, the inside deets or want to do the research for us, I'd be... I've always wondered, ever since I was a kid, how, how does that decision get made? I think the... Um, well, the box is definitely smaller than it normally is. And I wonder if that's because... If it was normal size, it would encroach into Longshot's hair. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even still, you could make those heads a little bit smaller and then you could fit four heads in there. I feel like there was a lot that we don't know about going into this cover. My <laughs> guess is that Rick Leonardi drew the X-Men and it was probably all supposed to be lower and more centered. 
Oh. And then somebody came along and said, yeah, throw some Genosians in there. And so they created this border on top of it that, and everybody got moved. That's, that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. It's kind of a mess. This cover is indicative of what's inside the, this issue. Um, it's, it's kind of a muddled mess. It's hard to tell what's going on. It's not great color wise. Yeah. I, for the most part. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into it. For the most part, I feel like the story is relatively easy to follow. There's just some elements where I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and we'll talk about those. I'm sure we'll talk about them right away. It's not so much the story that's hard to follow as the storytelling. Like from one panel to the next, I got confused a lot. Okay. Yeah, so this is um, a Stan Lee presentation. Chris Claremont's the writer. Rick Leonardi's the penciler. P. Craig Russell's the inker. Glennis Oliver's the colorist. Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Bob Harris is the editor, and Tom DeFalco is the editor-in-chief. And uh, we get a full-page splash that does say, Welcome to Genosha, a green and pleasant land of hope and opportunity, where the watchword is freedom and ironically there is a man holding a baby who looks to be trying to escape and i thought this was havoc at first uh it's way too muscular for havoc so i mean you could almost be like captain america's got a son and he's trying to escape (laughs) from genosha well it was foolish of me to just assume this was one of our main characters but i did yeah i thought it was havoc uh you very learned very quickly that it is not anybody that we've ever met before both the man and the baby. I thought maybe it was Havoc running around with young Nathan, who doesn't have a name yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that would have been an interesting reveal. And you'd be like, now I really have no idea. Like, what issues did I miss? <laughs> he is running, and he's talking to the baby. He's telling the baby that uh, they gotta they got to run. Don't be scared. It's not very far to go. And uh, they're trying to make it to an airport, which is across a fence. But he's being chased by helicopters and jeeps and other vehicles. I guess they call them flyers. The baby calls them wuppa wuppas. Yeah, this guy is not very smart. Is the implication? Um, and we learn we learn a couple things about him. He's clearly a mutant. He he jumps over a barbed wire fence. He also refers to he says flyers, magistrates. They or flyers, magistrates. They follow pretty good. I think he's more of a flyers magistrate. He's just slow. Yeah. I'm going to go with what what I came. Not that it matters because he's not a prominent character. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so he he does, as you say, he leaps over the fence uh, as a helicopter is over him. We see that on the tail of an airplane is a kangaroo. So we're got to be in Australia, right? Well, no, the plane is Australian. Oh, okay. So Genosha is probably in the vicinity of Australia. It's probably, well, it's within flying distance. (laughs) Okay. So it's somewhere in the world. Yeah. And he says uh, some people, uh, people like us aren't, uh, we're not supposed to be in this flyaway place. And he is stowing the baby in a luggage compartment, like a underground uh, or under carriage, what do you call that thing? Uh, uh, when you when you check your luggage, your your baggage compartment. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, the baggage compartment. It's not, it's not like an overhead above a seat, but uh, yeah, it's under the it's under the plane. The the place um, that's not pressurized, and I imagine this baby would have a miserable time if they got to any real altitude. But nevertheless, which is one of the reasons that I think this guy is not so smart. Um, this idea that you could just throw a baby into a 
uh, baggage compartment under a plane with no protection whatsoever and that the baby would survive is just a terrible idea. Yeah. But maybe maybe we just are not seeing that he puts on like headphones so the baby doesn't hear anything. Well, and maybe the baby's a mutant whose mutant ability is to not care if he's in a baggage compartment of an airplane. But mutant mutant powers don't develop until they hit uh, puberty. Yeah, you tell that to Franklin Richards. Mm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> Point set and match. <laughs> mutant powers generally don't manifest until puberty. All right. So this kid and Franklin R- Richards are the exceptions. Okay. Uh, he says uh, he, he tells the baby to be brave. He says he's going to do the same thing, but he's got to he's got to run, draw everyone away from the airplane. Uh, a airport official sees him and calls out. Uh, the man runs in the opposite direction, and the flyers chase him down. Think you're so tough, you magistrates. Let's see you prove it. And that's when one of the flyers from one of the flyers we hear. Mutant, you are in a prohibited area. Halt and surrender. Gene jokes too stupid to understand plain English. So we're getting a sense that maybe not all so free at this Genosha place. Has he, he's made comments about freedom, hasn't he? He said Probably. something about freedom, I believe. Right, but I mean, this is this is where it's all being... Before, we were uh, getting the implication. Now it's all spelled out. Now we know. Well, yeah, he, so, so we get the, the watchword is freedom. Uh, he says, like you said, for people like us, that's where true freedom lies anywhere. The implication being outside of where we are. Right. And then he says to the baby before he drops him off, this big flyer will take you far, far away to a place where our kind live free, where you'll be happy. Yep. So they, they're firing at him. They say that they're going to collar him, um, uh, but he picks up a – he slows down enough for like this uh, army vehicle. It's kind of a, a, a miniature truck. I'm not really sure what you would call that, mm. like a, a troop carrier. Um, it's kind of small. Like the troops that are in there are like laying on their backs. Yeah. But I don't know. It, it's a it's – a, there's a probably vehicle. a great name for this vehicle. And the tires – let's, let's call it an SUV. The tires pick- The tires in this picture are, are like inner tubes. They're They're perfectly round donuts. Yeah, it's it's not a great tires. They're <laughs> kind of silly. They're cartoon but, um, tires. It's like Roger the, Rabbit. Ra- Roger Rabbit tires. In the next panel, he picks it up, and the tires are normal there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a anyway, mutant car. Yeah, he he picks up the the vehicle and he throws it at the helicopter, and the helicopter and the vehicle both explode. Yep. Then the uh, another helicopter comes in and. Uh, they decide to shoot him from a distance because he's too dangerous, and they take out his legs with a. Uh, helicopter machine guns. He's down, but still breathing. Impossible. We hit him with everything he had. The gene engineer breeds his muties tough, which is why magistrates are trained to be tougher. So these guys are magistrates. The gene engineer is somebody that we don't know who and, he is. And the guys, the guys that are that are here, the magistrates uh, match the imagery from the cover, so they're they're definitely the bad guys. And this guy's uh, last words, he says, as the airplane is taking off, which is a weird thing for an airplane to be doing, considering there was just a battle on the the field. Baby boy, baby boy, both of us at last were free. So the airport is in Genosha. Or the airport is in, like, international free territory. The airport is in Genosha. Okay. But I think, like, an airports generally are uh, 
what do you call that? You saw that that movie uh, Terminal with oh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, I didn't see. Like I'm, I'm aware of that movie. I did not see it. He's his 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 country. He can't go back to his country, but he's also can't leave the airport because the airport is like a a safe haven outside of uh, the country's laws. So, sure, right, but the any airport is so so inside of the airport you're in neutral territory but the airport is still like uh, under the jurisdiction of whatever country or law enforcement exists right okay so uh maybe this is just standard practice for genosha the pilot's like uh you know control tower am i cleared to leave there's fire uh on the runway and they're like yeah don't worry if they shoot at you you can stop but otherwise it's par for the, another muty another gene joke trying to escape you're good you're cleared it's just the magistrates uh but it's we're missing a baby but you could probably just take off don't worry about it well they don't know about the baby <laughs> yet nobody knows about the baby yet well two days later they do because uh a newspaper article comes out uh times of australia maybe that's what it says I don't know. I think so. Yeah, it says yeah. Times of Australia. Stow away baby found in jet. Uh, it says half a world, half a world. Two days later, half a world towards the sunrise. So uh, I guess it's on the other side of the planet. What's on the opposite side of the planet from Australia? Is that China? I don't know. I We never really find out where they are. If, if, if we do, it's in some dialogue box that I missed or... Oh, I don't think we've seen a dialogue box about the geographical location of Genosha yet or or a dialogue balloon where well yeah but i'm I'm just wondering if they actually mention where they are where they are but well i don't think they ever do well here i mean the times of australia i i guess i'm assuming they're in australia oh i suppose yeah i guess that makes sense <laughs> i mean i guess unless they had a newspaper fedex to them or or uh yeah who knows i mean they are on a plane they could have flown from australia um but this is this is more magistrates looking for the kid because they know that the kid has escaped they say that uh their next job is is they're going to collect the kid but currently they're on a, a different job where they have to collect somebody named jennifer ransome and when one of these guys is looking at her picture and says oh she i read her dossier she's a nice kid shame this has to happen Th- there's i guess these are special magistrates one of them's named pipeline and then you've got another one named Punch-Out, who's like punch a, out. Like a bodybuilder woman. And uh, then I don't remember what the third one is called, but if we find her name, his, his name, we'll mention it. So Jen, Jennifer Ransom, Sim, Jennifer Ransom, I don't like that name. I do. I think it's a great name. Ransom? Jennifer Ransom, or Ransom, Jennifer Ransom. I just go with Ransom. Uh, apparently she was, she's related to somebody. Um, she has no right to, well, maybe not. Cause it says, uh, that's, uh, blah, she, she's, I think the idea is that her citizenship is Genosian. Yeah. Yeah. But she tried to hide her test results. Then she fled the country. So, um, uh, yeah. How's that supposed to set an example for the rest of her generation? She has no right to shirk her responsibilities, especially because of her privileged position. Oh, we're there learn, it is. We're, her, learn, we're learning a lot about. That's what I was looking for. Her privileged position. So she's 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 either got relations or she comes from money or something. And then I guess uh, all Genosians maybe at a certain age have to get tested. And if they test positive, then they get thrown into mutant camp. And I think Jennifer Ransom, uh, 
got her test results, freaked and flooded the country. But that's me just speculating. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't have a whole lot of information yet about Genosha or its uh, politics. Right. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff that we know is coming from future issues. But, but basically, but we're, 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 we're kind of learning as we go. We're getting a sense of what's going on. Um, if somebody didn't tell me who this was in the flying doctor service airplane, I would have no idea that it's Madeline Pryor because it just looks like a cartoon character. She looks like she's from Doonesbury, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Well, on the first panel, she says, I really appreciate you filling in for our regular pilot, Madeline. Yeah. So one must guess, A, pilot, B, name of Madeline. It's Madeline Pryor. Although last we saw Madeline, not counting that um, annual, she was lying in a pool of her own blood, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's my pleasure. It's why I joined the service auxiliary. So um, I, I did not own this issue growing up. I, I have read it a couple of times. Um, but when you read all of these sequentially, as we're doing, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> when did she have time to join the service auxiliary? And at first you're like, okay, that's fine. I bet you the X-Men are running a covert mission to help solve this baby mystery. And that's not what they're doing. I don't think. Um, I'm not sure. I do, and I don't, they definitely don't spell it out. So it's, it's possible. I mean, they're, the X-Men are definitely tracking Madeline, but are they tracking her because she's one of them or because they're running some sort of mission? We don't ever really find out. Yeah. And I, I yeah, it's very confusing. Like this whole setup makes sense if they're running, like they've learned about Genosha and this is their way in and Ma Madeline being a human, she's going to avoid mutant detection. But uh, if that is the plan, it's not. It's not spelled out here. I don't. It's not even hinted at here, really, as to what she's doing. Yeah, it's. It's. It is. It is kind of odd. I mean, we know from the past that Madeline flies, but yeah, her suddenly being like, why is she here? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Right. So they land, and uh, the magistrates here. The uh, they scan them, and uh, one of the one of the guys that. I don't know who it is. Uh, it says, interesting, I get a reading from the girl, who is Jennifer Ransom, but nothing at all from the redhead. You mean she isn't a mutant? Nope, I mean I got nothing, not a Zippo. My eyes see her, but as far as my special senses are concerned, she doesn't exist. So his, he must, these must be all mutants who have a duty to their country, and he must yeah, so be like a mutant tracker. These guys are mutants, and they call themselves the Press Gang. Oh, that's right, yeah. Which is a name, I, I maybe they explain to us what it means, but I don't know what it means. Oh, you think it? it I, I guess I never really even thought that it would mean anything. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up. I mean, you, you got the Marauders. That's pretty self-explanatory. They're evil and they maraud. Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, also pretty explan explanatory. The Alliance of Evil, um, running out of evil team names here. Oh, uh, the Hellfire Club. All of those kind of say what they do. Like we're bad guys. The press gang. I so the definition of press gang is noun, a body of men employed to enlist men forcibly into service in the army or Navy. So it could just be that they're calling themselves, they're not the press gang, but right now that's how they're acting as the press gang. They're forcing her to enlist. I mean, I feel like from future episodes, they can, or future issues, they can continue to reference themselves as the Press Gang. I could be wrong, though. Press Gang is also a British tele children's television show slash comedy drama consisting of 43 episodes. Hmm. 
from 1989 to 1993. So uh, Jenny Ransom, she's a nurse, and she says, where's the patient? And that's when uh, this guy says, I'm afraid you've been summoned under false pretenses. We're the press gang, and we're from Genosha, and we've come to take you home. And, uh, and Madeline takes off running. That uh, if we we don't want no trouble from you, miss. And he, she, I guess she karate chops him. It looks like uh, takes she, off. She throws sand in his eyes. She even thinks like sand in his eyes should slow him down. It does look like a GI Joe style karate chop, though. In that case, chum, you're out of luck. Uh, no she time. Hops into her plane, hoping to take off, but she, uh, or I guess she's not even taking off. She just grabs the radio and says, "Rogue One, Rogue One, Mayday." Well, this is happening. Uh, what was her name? Knockout. Uh, punch out. Punch out. Yeah. Punch out. Picks up the plane and tosses it with Madeline in it, um, a short distance. Mm-hmm. But but still, it's quite impressive. And the plane explodes, and Madeline uh, barely jumps out. Gotta go. Won't mu- take much to start a fire. Set off an explosion. Ah! And we jump from that explosion to punch, punch out, punch ticket, lift ticket, ticket puncher. <laughs> I can't. I just said her name. I can't remember what it is. Punch uh, out. Punch out. She, Mike Tyson's? Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> Mike Tyson's punch out pushes her into the airplane. They got Jenny Ransom. And uh, this dude named Pipeline is calibrating some machinery and establishing a connection and basically beams uh, Jenny, uh, Ransom, and Madeline to Genosha. So his power is some sort of technological genius, um, and he he is able to use computers to open pipelines, ready to digitize subject and transmit. It's what ca- did you do? Says Madeline, reduced her to binary electronic impulses, then sent her same as I would any data file across my phone link to Genosha. Same as I'm going to do with you. Now think about this, Adam. This 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 book was 1988 or 1989. Mm-hmm. You read this and you're like, whoa, what what impossible science fiction? Now, of course, reducing a human to electronic impulses that is the science fiction part, but transferring data across a phone link. I mean, granted, fax machines existed, and to a yeah, certain I mean, degree, so, so did modems. But a lot of that stuff was so less commonplace than it is today, where I bet you it was like, whoa, that's futuristic. And now it's like, eh, he's just uploading a GIF. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm sure Chris Claremont was in the know as far as this <laughs> stuff goes. Just not everybody. I, and I think it's actually kind of a, a neat idea that rather than his power being just like, I could beam people from here to there, they're... They're like, okay, my power isn't that great. I, I basically convert you to binary, and then I can send you over this mechanical device. So there's a limitation to the power. Like, if he can't get a, a dial tone, he can't transfer the the, the file. That's kind of neat. I like it. Um, Jenny also, she says, like, uh, you can't do this. I'm a naturalized Australian citizen. You have no right. And uh, Pipeline, he says, you know the law. Genosha acknowledges no other citizenships but its own. Whatever you claim Genosians by birth means, Genosian for life. Fact is, your country needs you. And you're going to do your duty whether you like it or not. We never learned this third character's name, I guess. Um, but his, his power seems to be that he is a mutant detector. Yes. A little later, not the most subtle entrance as the sonic boom heralds Rogue's arrival... Uh, she sees the exploded airplane. Um, Psylocke, you hear what I'm thinking? I found Madeline's aircraft. Um, look, look through my eyes and have Gateway teleport you here. 
and that's what happens. So, are they res- were they tracking Madeline, or did they just get Madeline's SOS? Probably a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. I'm assuming they were tracking her because you know she's on a she's out on a mission. So I'm 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 still I'm not con- I'm not convinced of that. Well, I, I don't even mean that they're she's out on an X Men mission. I mean she's she's out doing a mission for Ginny Ransom. Okay. Um, regardless of whether or not it's X-Men related stuff, they're going to keep track of her. Uh, granted. So, so I mean, if you mean like Psylocke's always in psychic rapport of all of the X-Men and Madeline, I totally, I totally buy that. I just yeah, feel like and, it's uh, weird that... And, and their computers are probably also got some sort of tracking on them. Absolutely. Sure. I just find it weird that, that Wolverine's not like, um, I never liked the idea of her doing those missions or... I never liked you sending her as the bait. Like, there's just, like, no, like, why was Madeline doing what she was doing? Because a typical Wolverine line would be, like, this was a bad idea, or I told you so, or whatever, in response <laughs> to, to something like this. Maybe it was his idea, and now he's all, like, quiet about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we're here. Everybody shut up. Uh, Wolverine does kind of a neat thing that we don't see him do too often. He kind of narrates everything, um, basically telling us everything we just saw, but he's yeah, telling us that is he's like a, he's like a Dexter. What is, what does that guy do? The, what's the job? A Dexter was a splatter analysis. An okay. So he's, animal. he's like a, he's like a crime analysis. Yeah. And so, right. He's like looking at like, they walked this way and there's lots of footprints and then there was a scuffle. Two oh, we should here, point out over that here. only only Storm and Wolverine have showed up. It's not the whole team. Uh, and Rogue. Oh, well, I mean, I, I guess Rogue was there to begin with. Through through Gateway's portal. What's interesting is Rogue seems to go back and forth between having glasses and not having glasses. I don't know if you see that. I think she has glasses through the whole thing, but you can't see them in the one panel. Oh, I know. I guess in the... In the one panel, she definitely doesn't have them, so... Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like, when Gateway teleports them, she doesn't have them. You could argue that Psylocke's little butterfly effect is covering them. Uh, but then she's got, like, green sunglasses, and it's very inconsistent. I blame the colorist. I mean, you got, you need lines for glasses, so... Uh, I would also put some blame either on the inker or the artist. Probably the well, artist. It's probably a lack of communication. There, there was probably like the artist's intention was that the there wouldn't be lines, but the lines would be oh. like just the color, or it's just a mistake. Yeah, I'm gonna go with mistake. <laughs> uh, and then we, so yeah, uh, Wolverine says uh, that there's a hemostat with the nurse's sense. What's her name? The one Madeline was fly, flying with. So he knows that. She had this job. She knows that she was with some other woman who was a nurse. We just don't know why. Maybe they explain yeah. it next issue. Guess put a pin in it, in it <laughs> as you like to say. As I like to say. Back at the uh, the Australian base, the X Men are chilling. Um, they got <laughs> havoc at the computers with Dazzler, Colossus, Longshot, and Psylocke wearing a college uniform for some reason. Very weird. I don't know what Dazzler's wearing. Uh, maybe it's a bikini, but I... I think I think she's wearing her workout fatigues. Okay, sure. I'll she was that. she was just jogging around the uh, the complex. D- uh, Dazzler says, "Well, Alex, she certainly or Alex is complaining about how difficult the computer is to use, but how they work so well for Madeline." Dazzler says, "Well, she certainly spends enough time down here playing with them, and that's when Alex freaks out." 
he doesn't freak well, out. But he says he doesn't freak out. But but after c- correcting her and saying it's her way, da- uh, Dazzler, even though she's not a mutant and doesn't have any powers of pulling her weight with the team. But then, which makes you think that he did freak out a little bit. He thinks to himself, "Down, boy, down. No need to be so defensive. Allie didn't mean anything nasty. Didn't realize I was so touchy where Madeline was concerned." It's um, it's weird because when you read those, it's her way, Dazzler. She's even though she's not a mutant, blah 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 blah. It's it's just kind of like it's conversational. It's conversational. It doesn't sound defensive at all. Like if he was like, "Shut up, Dazzler. You don't know what she's going through." Uh, that that would be where he'd be like, "Ooh, down boy." But this is just like, yeah, she works even computers. Throw in some more exclamation marks. Yeah, that's or, all you need to do. Or bold some text or anything. But to, to me, you take out that thought bubble and it's like, yep, just having a conversation. It's all good. And I think the the main thing is we're establishing that Alex has feelings for Madeline. Just as a couple of issues ago, we kind of established that Madeline has weird impulses towards Alex, which is fine. I just wish it was a little clearer it's not here. Fine, because Alex has a girlfriend who happens to be having kidnapped by the Marauders right now. He should be worried about her. And Madeline has a baby that who knows what happened to this child. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, like tox- so, it's, like a to- she, it's a toxic, uh, relationship. She, she left a note for Cyclops because she thought that she was going to be dead. Look for our kid. And apparently she just feels like off the hook now. Well, I told Cyclops to worry about it. I don't need to worry about the kid. I'm not going to try to get the X-Men to like deal with this kid problem that I have. I'm not even going to bring him up. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's off the hook. She left a note. (laughs) Terrible. Um, there, this is their coping mechanisms They're They feel slighted. I mean, I guess Madeline has no relation to, uh, Lorna, but they feel slighted. And so they have something in common, which is maybe why they're developing feelings for each other. I'm not I'm actually fine with them developing feelings for each other. I just wish either of them would occasionally feel sad about the things that are happening to them <laughs> that are pretty important in their lives. Sure. So the follow on to this whole thing of like, didn't realize I was so touchy where Madeline was concerned could be followed up with. Um, it's, you know, uh, it it's really strange how I don't miss Lorna or I, I feel like I should I feel like I should be mourning her loss more or any sort of thing. Any any mention of Lorna. Right. Um, anyways, so... Um, or Madeline could explain the reason why she takes these missions is because it gets her out and allows her to be like, continue the search for her her, her child. Sure, that would make a lot of sense. But no. Uh, tell the... Let's see. Tell Storm that they've got radar contact outbound from her position. Psylocke is on course for Sydney. Nobody else even remotely close by could be our boy. So they're tracking an airplane flying away from the X-Men. Long shot. I think this is his only line. Says, then let's go get him. No, he has another line on the next page. Oh. We came as soon as you called, Storm. Boy, this is fun. Ha! <laughs> uh, speak for yourself, Longshot, teleporting's for Star Trek, not for me, says Dazzler. So the rest of the team is being teleported into Sydney International Airport via uh, Gateway, and Dazzler brought the costumes of Wolverine and Storm. Although, honestly, Storm appears to be wearing her a similar enough thing to her costume, but I guess it's lacking the little lightning boltish thing. Yeah, pants. <laughs> she brought Storm's pants. 
Here's your pants, Storm. Wolverine now knows uh, uh, the the what's her name's name. He he says, "Weird, Madeline's and Jenny's scents are cold, but there are three other comparatively fresh, as though they all got on the plane together, and then our two gals vanished." Yeah, so they've they've tracked down the plane that the press gang left in and so they continue tracking the scent it's uh wolverine and rogue and they track it to a hospital um they figure that they're super super beings based on the fact that somebody threw the plane uh wolverine was able to detect that and they had shields against betsy's long-range side probes that means super beings and uh, they get disguises to enter the hospital. Uh, Wolverine gets a robe and sits down in a wheelchair, and Rogue has a some nurses' smocks. Is that what they're called? Smocks? Sure. Uh, Rogue says, Well, we can't start a fire here. I know, girl. I remember San Francisco. Referring this is to, where the trail leads. Referring to X-Men number 221. And then Rogue details that more. Man, we wrecked that hospital in San Fran fighting with the Marauders. It was a miracle no patients died. I don't want to push our luck here. This all seems like unnecessary dialogue. Yeah, the only dialogue that's necessary here is when she says, pediatrics? What do these creeps want with babies? Right. Everything else is unnecessary. Um, and someone we recognize as Punch-Out, who is also in a nurse's outfit, says, I'm sorry, this is a restricted area. And that's when Wolverine leaps into a- action. Don't not bother me none, babe. And he punches her in the face. Do you mean... Punch Out featuring Mr. Dream. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to reference Mr. Dream. <laughs> well, duh. <laughs> and that's when Wolverine flies out of the wheelchair to Rogue Surprise and punches Punch Out in the face. The one who trashed Madeline. Uh, she's a bad guy, darling. The one who trashed Madeline. Ow! My hand, says Punch Out after punching Wolverine. His jaw, like a hit steel. And she attempts to punch uh, Rogue as well, and uh, Rogue stops her hand by cupping it and absorbs her power and apparently grows in size. Whoops, I'm growing to match her physique. The partner's in that room. Wolfie, they're stealing a baby! Presumably the baby from the beginning of the issue. Right. So she jumps in, and Pipeline is securing the mainframe storage, and Wolverine gets shot at. It's a really bad panel here. This whole page is kind of just hard to follow. This is this is where I started having trouble. Like, like I was able to follow what happened, but not the panels didn't help. <laughs> the drawings didn't help. No, like, the storytelling here is sort of lacking. Um, it's like somebody pipeline makes somebody appear in a magistrate kind of uh, army uniform, and that guy shoots a gun that knocks Wolverine and Rogue out the window and apparently they're unconscious now which i was like really that's on that's odd but all of this happens in such a flow that it was hard to figure out exactly what's going on in my opinion yeah no i mean it's it's weird um i didn't have any trouble following it it's just there's it's it's not well drawn <laughs> right so the i mean you get all you get everything you need from the dialogue wolverine bursts in the guy shoots at Wolverine, hits Wolverine, but nothing happens. And Wolverine's like, guns don't take me down. And then you're right. Pipeline brings in a dude with a big gun who shoots and somebody screams super loud in an entire panel. They go flying out the window. Um, so yeah, it's a super powerful gun, Adam. I guess. It doesn't look super powerful. 
It's no Rob Liefeld gun. <laughs> Nothing's a Rob Liefeld gun. And that's he thanks the magistrate for taking care of that, and they decide that they're going to evac, but... Uh, well, they want to evacuate, but because Punch-Out is missing, they're not going to leave without her, so Pipeline brings a whole team of magistrates who all look the same, adding to the confusion. Uh, there's there's like a guy with a mustache, I think, over in the far left. Okay. There's a guy in the far right with some goggles, I and think. There's a, there's a guy in the front that has goggles too. Yeah, well, so there's two out of the, the ten that have goggles. <laughs> so they're different. Yeah, okay. Uh, they're all right-handed, which is funny. <laughs> I mean, a nice touch would have been to make one guy holding their gun to the left. Yeah. That'd have been a good touch, but nah, they're they're all carbon copies of each other. Um, and that's when Psylocke loses contact with Rogue and Wolverine. They've been un- attacked and they're unconscious. Those two, cripes, who'd they run into? The Hulk? So even Dazzler's surprised, like, they got taken out? They're tough. Well, I saw what happened and I was surprised. <laughs> And Psylocke knows that the that uh, reinforcements have been summoned from literally nowhere. And they're hunting for us. What else is new? Or what else is new? Says very large Colossus's silhouette. And that's when somebody, don't know who, I think it might be Havoc. No, I'm, I mean, uh, Longshot says, uh, Psylocke, is that them? They're shooting. Nice bunch of guys, says Havoc, without even a howdy-do or anything. So yeah, everything. I guess I guess the problem that I have with this is just it's, it all happens so quickly right. that it's it's hard to really absorb what's like. This could be paced better. They're hunting for us, and they found us. Rather than it would have been neat to have a a page or so of them kind of skulking through the the alleyways, tracking maybe the magistrates or vice versa. Create and the action does create a little the, tension, but the drawings of the action partially because so many of the magistrates look the same. It's too busy to know exactly what's happening behind me comrades use my armored body as a shield and dazzler back with that classes how about we put these creeps out of business before someone gets hurt i wish he would have said permanently just (laughs) because and so yeah your courage does you credit allison she's like i'm i'm scared but if it's me or them better them every time and they fight the, the three of them, Colossus, Longshot, and Dazzler, take off running straight towards the magistrates, and Dazzler uses a dazzle blast to dazzle blind them. The magistrates are dazzle blinded, even with their eyes closed. And of course, by the time their vision clears, it's too late. Somewhere else, uh, other magistrates are dealing with an intense uh, level of fog. Never seen so, a fog this thick comments a goggles man <laughs> yeah this is uh storm havoc and psylocke psylocke uh storm commands psylocke to lead the magistrates away from the airport so that they can deal them with them without the danger of hurting anybody and also try to scan their thoughts which psylocke says she's been trying to do but they're shielded against telepathic scans how convenient. You betcha. They may have been protected from my probes, but they're still vulnerable to my influence, ignoring us in favor of the illusions I'm casting into their minds. And then Havoc says, if they've heard Madeline, I may not be so careful about where I place my plasma beam. And uh, 
So I like thinks to herself, he isn't joking. He's angry enough to kill. <laughs> Again, forcing this romance down our throats. Yep. One of the magistrates ponders whether or not these are the local equivalents of the magistrates. The other guy's like, don't matter. We got our orders. I hate these overseas ops. Locals never understand our purpose. Yeah, well, ain't hard to understand how we'd feel if some outsider did the same to Genosh. I guess Genosha is short for Genosha. Sure. We're getting to know these people. Yeah. They call their, their homeland Genosh. Storm laments that this is not what she envisioned as their debut as local heroes. Yeah, which was an interesting. Then I re- then I remembered. Oh yeah, this is happening in Australia, and the the X Men live in Australia now. I had forgotten. And then she also wonders, like, merciful goddess, could they represent the Australian government? But then why kidnap people? Where do they come from? What do they want? Who are they? So as the mutant, as the two guys ponder whether why why other people don't understand Janosh, uh, Havok, and uh, not Havok, uh, Longshot in a really terrible panel says, "Peekaboo, I see you." Yeah, I wouldn't say this is the worst offender. It's recognizable as Longshot. Oh God, it's terrible though. It's really <laughs> it's bad. bad. No, it's terrible. Look at his mouth. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Hey guys, Peekaboo, I'll see you. Yeah. It's bad. It's not bad. Who said that? One of the magistrates says, and that's when Colossus barges through the door and says, we did Crom. <laughs> and Conan shows up and says, by Crom. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we get some dialogue boxes. Lay down your weapons, villains. And the magistrates respond, we're no villains, Gene Joke. We're magistrates. We're the law. Cripes, civilians, somebody says. I think Dazzler says. Bunch of people are showing up behind him. Get away from here, friends, at once. Hit the bricks. Trooper, I'll cover you, says one of the magistrates, and throws some grenades with seven-second fuses at the X-Men here. Once the pin's pulled, they can blow up any time. Longshot doesn't even consider that. He grabs a couple more grenades off the ground, or I guess there's only two, and tosses them to Colossus, who grabs hold of them and, I guess, covers them into his the recesses of his chest. Dazzler gets the bystanders to flatten to the ground. And uh, Longshot also sees before the grenades go off. So this is all happening in less than seven seconds mm-hmm. that the magistrates are about to uh, shoot at the distracted X-Men and he throws his flechettes at them, uh, making them unable to shoot. Some of them hit the gun. Some of them hit their hands. He spiked my pistol. And then the grenades go off. Boom. And Colossus collects the explosion unto himself, I suppose. Longshot says they didn't care who they hurt. Dazzler finishes off so long as they got to us. Like Havok said, nice bunch of fellows. Longer this lasts, the greater the danger of that happening. And then there's a pointless full page splash of the, I guess, the idea is the X-Men finish the job, but really there's only, I can't even like, I guess there's two magistrates up at the top and Longshot kicks one of them. And that's kind of neat. I'm not sure what his, uh, his rope is attached to. And then I guess there's some more of these guys at the bottom, but I can't really tell if those guys in the background are just the regular citizens or if they're also magistrates. Colossus says the let then comrades let us in this battle once and for all. It's all right. It's probably the best art of this issue. Ugh, I feel like it's an unused cover. This probably should have been the cover, actually. <laughs> I mean, take the dialogue box out, throw the X-Men logo on there, and it's it's an okay cover. I wouldn't say, I don't know, 
it's bad. It's better than the actual cover. It's definitely a lot less busy than the actual cover. Mm. I don't know. I'm not impressed. Probably wouldn't have worked as the cover because the logo would have just covered up Storm completely. So the the cops are showing up and the magistrates across town or or whoever these people are, the pipeline press and gang. punch out, the press gang, uh, collect Rogue and Wolverine who are still unconscious and drag them over to Pipeline who zaps them over their phone line to Genosha. We still don't have a name for the third guy. I'm looking him up online. <laughs> oh, he's... He's Hawkshaw, so he does have a name. Not in this issue, he doesn't. No, he does, because I remember thinking that's a hard-to-pronounce thing, Hawkshaw. They figure that the gene engineer will want to examine these uh, two, Rogue and Wolverine, and probably add them to the gene pool. Ooh. Yeah, so they, they teleport Rogue and uh, Logan. They note that Rogue is waking up, and before Pipeline teleports her, he inserts a sedative subroutine into the transmission program so she'll be fast asleep when she arrives. Circuit leaks established. Pipeline's open. Subject's on her way. And then presumably they transport themselves as well, although we never see that. And the cops show up to the other side of town, I guess, where the rest of the magistrates, the one from the full-page spread, are bound up in some steel girders. And stamped against the steel girders is the little X-Men eight-pointed star logo. Looks like a good Samaritan's left a calling card, too. What do you think, Mick? The Oz got its own team of super blokes. Oh, man, we should have been doing this whole issue in Australian accents. <laughs> Inspector Dundee, the stowaway <laughs> baby from the Qantas flight. Found something, Mick. Oh, you know, his name was Mick Dundee. It's terrible. <laughs> um, and he's like, uh, that's not a knife. <laughs> he's vanished. You got any explanations, mate? I'll tell you nothing. Well, that's a magistrate. Well, so he's, he's like, I'll tell you nothing. <laughs> he just has no accent. Well, he has a Genosian accent. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's just everybody talks like this. <laughs> like strong bad. Isn't maybe Genosha supposed to be by South America? For some reason, that's ringing a bell. I mean, obviously, it doesn't exist, so. I guess we'll learn when we learn. Uh, and that's what the cops are like. Electronics gear is sophisticated. Smashed to bits. Send it to the lab for analysis. Or, uh, actually, not enough. Send it to the lab for analysis, Mick. <laughs> Sorry to see you cop such an attitude, chum. Because it strikes me your silence may cost your, bo your bosses a whole lot more than they bargained for. At which point the magistrates all shout in unison, diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they don't. But they probably have it. I bet whoever nailed you is probably after the baby. The baby. <laughs> and, and them. And when and, they and, catch uh, him, And the press gang as well. And when they catch him, uh, I hope those heroes give them everything they deserve. Even though the cops just got here and have no idea what's going on. But okay, they've, they've leapt to a decent con conclusion, I guess. They're pretty good detectives. They put two and two together. Uh, so I mean, all things considered, it's a it's not a great issue. Um, it's it's a it's a uh, it's an interesting uh, introduction to uh, an interesting idea. The whole land of the free, but really, it it appears that there's oppressed mutants, and um, the magistrates collect naturalized mutant genotions to bring back to Genosha. You know, it kind of sets up a neat story, but uh, yeah, this issue's not great. It's a starting point, and um, it's a good starting point. It's very interesting. There's a lot of like, oh, I wonder where this is going. Like, it feels like 
it feels like a new story and there's a whole lot of possibilities for what's going on. So it does its job. Its execution is a little lackluster, mainly because of the the artistic storytelling. Um, and I and I think the coloring also was a big problem for me. Yeah, but, uh, you overall, w- I, overall, I thought it was it was good as a good like first story point. Yeah, but. yeah, definitely. And maybe that's you know just we're biased because of what comes after this. Um, but I don't know, whatever. Sets up a neat idea. It's a it's a new direction, which is always good. We're starting to move somewhere. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, that that's my dogs barking. <laughs> <laughs> they like the idea too. So let us know what you thought of this first part of this new direction and new story by visiting us at www.xmanpodcast.com. Go out to facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go. You can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com. Go out to iTunes, uh, leave us a review, leave us uh, a rating. Uh, we haven't we haven't actually had a, a review since September of 2018. It's been a while, as Stained would say. So uh, oh, wow. <laughs> head on out there and and maybe let us know. Well, maybe nobody subscribes to podcasts through iTunes anymore. Maybe they're they're all going through Stitcher and Spotify and other media consumption sources uh, yeah. all of which we're on yeah yeah uh, or you can call us at 501 get x-men uh 501-438-9636 go out to leave a message uh patreon.com forward slash danger room and you could donate to us at our one and only one dollar level and Woo. then you can become a scoot and futzer who doesn't want that join the scoot and futzer army as <laughs> soon as we get uh uh, 150 scootin' futzers. We're going to come up with some scootin' futzer swag. Yeah, we'll have scootin' futzer t-shirts. <laughs> scootin' futzer um, bumper stickers, hats, lunchboxes. lunchboxes, can coolers, bottle openers, phone covers, um, whatever else you can think of that you can write scootin' futzer on. Because as far as I know, scootin' futzer is not a trademark term. <laughs> <laughs> Our music is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld, And we've got some supplemental reading to go through here. Oh, boy. Yeah. Where do you want to start, Adam? Uh, Cloak and Dagger, Volume 3, Number 1. I didn't read this. Um, no? No. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to, like, where we left off in Strange Tales, uh, Dazzler, or not Dazzler, uh, Dagger. Oh, that's right. <laughs> she was Dark Dagger. She was Dark Dagger. And uh, X-Factor was about to face off with her. And that happens. And uh, the the most interesting part of that was what what's with this issue was what's going on with Cloak. Last issue, he had been called by some small child and was trapped in a uh, pentagram by some book like the Necronomicon. And it turns out that his dad is an old like like old as in 60s or 70s Doctor Strange one off villain who decided after being bested by Dr. Strange that he would become an accountant, but he still has all these books lying around and his kid uh, called Cloak and the guy just lets Cloak go. He's like, sorry to bother you. It's, you know, it happens. Transports them to where X-Factor are fighting Cloak. Uh, let's see. Beast is really dumb in this issue, um, which is annoying. Like they make him so much more dumb than anywhere else. Cloak traps Dagger, not Dazzler. 
<laughs> That's so hard to do. Uh, inside of his cloak where she is able to expel all of her darkness and she comes out uh, as Dagger, except she's also blind. And then in issue two, which I threw in because the X factor is in the first couple of pages, uh, it turns out that she's not actually blind, but then that turns out to be a fantasy. So technically X factor already have an issue in the, in this issue, they are just in Dagger's fantasy, but she's in the hospital and she's still blind. And I didn't read the rest of issue two. <laughs> X Factor number 33 on the cover, you've got Bounding Furry Blue Beast, which just kind of spoils the entire issue. But uh, the Alliance of Evil is back and they're all angry because the mutant registration is, I don't know, in front of Congress or the Senate or the president. Like it's not a law yet but it's going to be a law and uh, they're, they're mad. So they're like, we challenge X factor to a fight. Are you sure it's not a law? Cause why is everybody signing documents if it's not a law yet? I was really confused about that too. Uh, I read something in here saying like uh, mutant registration. Um, we got to mm. do it. But then I read something else that was like, it's past Trish, the Senate. Trish says as deadline, as the deadline for mutant registration nears. So I guess, I guess the deadline for registering is nearing. I'm not sure. There was something I read elsewhere. Uh, I don't remember, but whatever. <laughs> Let, it, it seemed inconsistent, but let's just assume that it's a law and there's a deadline to register. And that's what this uh, episode is mostly about. There's also some side notes um, in the periphery of like fire hydrants doing weird things and manhole covers uh, like like flying out of streets um, the X Factor kids go shopping because they're going to be sent off to a boarding school because they've missed a year, if not longer, of actual school. And as they're trying on clothes, like they're either too small or too big. One shirt actually kind of attacks Boom Boom. And there's uh, some news and radio programs talking about all these weird, strange things that are happening to inanimate objects within um, Manhattan. It's a, got a very Ghostbusters vibe to it. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Um, and then at the at ship, Cyclops is looking over Beast, but he sees all this stuff happening on TV. He wants to help out, but he's got to watch Beast. And, and there's some comments about like how he should be looking for his kids, but he's too busy taking care of the team and blah, 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 blah. Uh, so the X-Factor kids, they help take on the Alliance of Evil. Um, and then midway through the issue, um, we finally learn this strange guy who's been flying around collecting children. Uh, the, the guy who kind of looks like Wolverine or Boba Fett, his name is Orphan Maker. And for some reason he sneaks into kids' houses and steals kids. And then I don't just get Wolverine out of this at all. Well, he's got like the cowl. He's got like the Wolverine spikes on his head. I guess. Yeah. Well, not really. No, they're like little Wolverine spikes. And yeah. no, you don't see it? I uh, No. Okay. But go on. <laughs> okay. Um, and he, so he, he kidnaps kids and brutally murders parents. Yeah. So last time we saw this person, we thought they were killing the kids and the parents, but guess not. Uh, although, although he fires a gun very close to the vicinity of this kid's head. So this kid is probably deaf. And the person flying the ship, who I believe we saw, is kind of an egg-shaped person. We don't see the person in this issue. Uh, they refer to themselves as Nanny, as Nanny, 
but tonight, Nanny's darling must go back to sleep. That's right. Close your eyes. You've earned your rest. You're the best little orphan maker in the world. And one thing that'll be interesting as we go through the the upcoming issues of X-Factor and X-Men is I never really understood the whole nanny orphan maker storyline. So we know that in a previous issue of Power Pack, that guy was uh, the guy who was contacting Nestura mm-hmm. um, was connected to a, a collective that was had a bunch of children. Right. And I'm wondering if that's nanny oh i thought maybe it was in reference to mr sinister and an orphanage but i don't know i, I don't know if we'll find out i don't but, know yeah i have no idea those, those are our options i do know that uh nanny and orphan maker make appearances in the x-men uh but i, I don't know what their motivations are so i've never read these issues either power pack and these x-factor issues where they show up so uh, not that it's helping with the story at all, but at least I'm getting a little bit of backstory for, for the future upcoming X-Men's. Um, um, so Orphan Maker, when I was, when I was young and, and we were in high school together, you used to draw this character called Zippo mm-hmm. all the time. Was this, was Orphan Maker your, your influence? Totally. Okay. Cause basically Zippo looks like Orphan Maker. <laughs> yep. Well, it's exactly, exactly the motivation. Uh, For our audience, if you want to know what Zippo looked like, uh, just look at Orphan Maker. Yeah, I, I stole the name of a cigarette lighter and the likeness of Orphan Maker and <laughs> called it my own. Um, meanwhile, while all of this is happening, Beast keeps um, turning into Blue Beast and then back to Human Beast. And uh, the ship is, I think, pumping him full of sedatives to try to revert him back to human because they don't know exactly what's going on. But finally, Beast is able to overpower all of the medicine and break out of the restraints. And he's like, no. And now he's speaking normal. There's no contractions or anything. He's using big words. And he said that he heard that the Alliance was out and the kids were in trouble and he needed to help. He needed to hold on. And so he did. And now he's ready. So Cyclops and Blue Furry Beast uh, leap into action and uh, Beast is way stronger and he's just as smart as he ever was. And uh, together as a team, they are able to take out the Alliance of Evil. And that's when the Brotherhood, uh, oh, actually, Freedom Force shows up and they're like, ah, we'll take them into custody. Oh, and you guys need to sign the registration. Beast decides to sign the registration, I think, as Hank McCoy. But the rest of X-Factor is like, we're going to use our identities. We're not going to sign up as our real names so that we can live our lives, which kind of defeats the whole purpose of the mutant registration. But, you know, uh, Rusty. Well, you know, they'll be able to keep track of them. There's a mutant out there called Cyclops. Yeah, yeah. It's better than nothing. I suppose. Uh, Rusty here, the, the big thing is he didn't want to come out with his powers. Uh, because people would recognize him back from X Factor number one when he burnt a lady. Uh, but he's now he's like, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to go and I'm going to turn myself into the Navy and I'm going to take whatever consequences come of my actions. But I'm not signing this paper. Like Rusty really came into his own this issue. Yeah. And and uh, it's sort of important as we as we are on the eve of Exterminators. Yeah. Exterminators number one is now on sale and that's essentially where this uh, will directly continue to. And Cameron Hodge is confirmed that I think last time we saw somebody making a deal with Nyestri, I think we assumed it was Cameron Hodge. I don't remember. This confirms that it was. Okay. 
Uh, I'm sorry, this doesn't confirm that it was. I read on the internet as I was researching this issue that after Cameron Hodge makes a deal with the demon, he does this, which is he puts on this gold suit and uh, he's ready to expunge mutants from the earth. And that's when uh, Angel shows up as death and the issue ends. And it was very, it was very, it was very rapid, like, oh, uh, it was Cameron Hodge says, oh, I, last time you saw me, I almost fell in the water and drowned, but I didn't. Yep, here and I am. That, that was referencing the last time we saw him in New Mutants, and it was just like, oh, okay. I'm fine. Um, I also read Captain America number 346, which I didn't put on the show notes, but uh, hey, we have show notes. Um, <laughs> A little behind the scenes there. It uh, it features Freedom Force, and you just reminded me about it, and I wasn't actually going to talk about it, but then I, you, I remembered uh, Freedom Force sets up a fake um, courtroom scenario where they're they're trying to lure in these mutants that are rescuing various mutants around the world, and it's it's just it's just completely stupid and ridiculous. Um, Pyro is like an eternity or an attorney, and uh, Stonewall is the prosecutor and Blob is the judge and everybody in the on the entire jury are like uh, destiny is in the jury and they're all it's it's, it's just a big fake trial in order to lure these uh, mutant uh, this group of mutant helpers I guess I don't know what they are but I think they get wiped out in this issue they're just mutants who are against the mutant registration act overall the brotherhood uh, uh, also. Uh, not the Brotherhood. What are they now? Freedom Force? Freedom Force. Freedom Force. I also took a look at Excalibur number one. It's a That's right. That came out. Interesting uh, issue. And now I, as I go back into the recourses of my mind, I, I figure I understand now why I was a hit and miss Excalibur subscriber. Uh, as I've mentioned before, I tried to read Excalibur, but I didn't have many of the issues. Uh, two reasons. One, uh, while all of the other comics were a dollar, this one was a dollar fifty. Granted, uh, the paper was higher quality, as I recall. Um, and second of all, it's not traditional. It's weird, right? Like we've, as you've been following our podcast and Adams, uh, mostly Adams retellings of Captain America stories, you realize like weird things happen when Captain Britain is around. Mm-hmm. And uh, that definitely carries on into Excalibur. So this is an interesting issue in that it's it's great Alan Davis artwork. Uh, it's it's not a bad story, but it's like this is issue number one. And it's just it's like the Warwolves and a few yeah. setups. But like there's not like here's Magneto or like like here's a foundation of like what we do. It doesn't grandstand. There isn't any like epic anything going on it's just it's just the first chapter of an ongoing story which i thought was kind of refreshing it it is i mean as a as a as an adult as a, somebody who's not like where's the action where's the fighting i mean there's a little bit of that but but it's it's against the werewolf so you don't have like a grandstanding villain who's like and my plan is to take all the nuclear missiles and blow up england no that what are the the werewolves uh are attempting to get to recapture rachel yep for mojo uh, there's this dude, his name is Tweedledope, and, and I guess his power is like he can just cram a bunch of stuff together and create 
things. Uh, and he creates the little frog-looking dude from the back of Excalibur's Special Edition. Um, I don't know where this guy goes, but I feel like he's important. Oh, is, is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was being made. Yeah, he, okay. He crams okay. all the stuff in and shapes it, and it kind of looks like him, I think, is what he's uh, going yeah, for. It, it definitely is the same person that was in the back of that Excalibur oh, oh, thing. It, yeah, it is. Uh, but I think Tweedledope, like, he doesn't really know what he's doing. He just crammed this thing together, and it kind of looks like Tweedledope. And then he's like, I don't know what this is, and he just kind of throws it away. He also sees a wanted poster of the Crazy Gang, of which he's a member of. Uh and I guess he goes out to go looking for the crazy gang, and that's where this little frog dude comes alive. Um, I only mention this because it he probably does something. I just don't know what it is. Um, but the rest of the issue, like the werewolves are, are looking for Rachel, and what they do is they essentially suck out all the innards of a human, and then they can wear the human skin as a suit and impersonate the human. And each time this happens, uh, which is a total of three times, Rachel has like a psychic backlash that's super painful. Kitty goes on some mission to try to figure out what's going on. It doesn't, I don't know, it's make a whole lot of sense. Um, she disguises herself as Rachel in order to lure in the werewolves, thinking that she can phase through them. Oh. It's not a very well thought out plan, but, you know, it works, so except for the fact that it turns out that she can't phase through them. Right. There's some uh, playful flirting between Nightcrawler and Megan. Uh, on the one hand, I think Megan's just kind of like, she's an alien as we've discussed. She's, uh, uh, she's a little naive. So she, I don't think she's genuinely flirting with Nightcrawler. I think she's just being a super friendly creature. And Nightcrawler's like, oh man, she's hot. But she, he does later... Uh, when he's taking a bath and she comes in with some hot tea, she's like, whoa, what are you doing? You can't come in like this. And then thinks to himself, you have a very strong, hot-headed boyfriend. <laughs> uh, also, Megan has volunteered the use of the lighthouse as their base. I don't know if Captain Britain's been consulted on this. It seems like he hasn't been because <laughs> Nightcrawler is con constantly talking about being worried about it. But as Nightcrawler's exploring the the um, lighthouse, he opens the door and there's like a ballroom of weird things. It's like another planet or something. Yep. But then when he teleports away and uh, he brings Megan down there, Megan's like, that's just a storeroom. There's nothing in there. There's a creepy rich dude named Nigel Forbish, Frobisher who's flirting with Rachel. I believe he becomes some sort of a character within the... Uh, Excalibur Realm, and an old friend of Captain Britain's named, I can't remember what her name is. Oh, Courtney Ross. I think she's also uh, a prominent character in the story. Uh, so everybody, I don't know, we're just establishing a whole lot of things here. Yeah, it's a setup. Um, yeah, and uh, that's, I don't know, I don't even think they fight, do they? Well, uh, the the werewolves, as mentioned before, come across Kitty, disguised, disguised as Phoenix and Kitty is unable, unable to phase through them, and so they kidnap Kitty. Oh, right. And now, so Excalibur's together minus Kitty, and they're going to go after uh, the werewolves and Kitty. And that's how this adventure starts. And they're worried that uh, the werewolves are going to skin Kitty the way that they do. Uh, and the other interesting thing that they're continuing on is uh, Kitty's natural state is phased, 
and uh, it's very difficult for Nightcrawler to teleport. Oh, yeah. So, Which I had, I had forgotten about those, but yeah, they do bring them back in. The story won't let you forget. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, it's Excalibur number one. Marvel Comics presents number nine. This story continues, and again, as in the last chapter, this nothing really happens in this one. Uh, Wolverine fights Razor Fist and eventually wins, I think. I want to say he kills him, but I think he comes back later. So Wolverine thinks he kills him at least. Um, and then Tiger Tiger fights the Roche's uh, interrogator guy, who I don't even know if that this person has a name, but she's able to stop him. And then she ends up fighting um, Sapphire Styx, who was the lady who has that kissing power she kisses people and absorbs their power and she manages to best her i suppose and the interrogator and the oh i guess the inquisitor is his name he's johnny inquisitor so johnny inquisitor and sapphire sphix is that what it is sapphire sapphire sticks run away and that's where we leave off I don't know. It says uh, uh, two bruisers giving all they got, winner take all, because whoever slips first pays for the forfeit with his life. And that's when Razor Fist falls to the ground. Yeah, and I mean Wolverine just gutted him with both claws. Oh, so you think he might have survived that? Because I I think he appeared. Like I looked in the thing, and he appears in I don't know how many years, but he appears in an episode of Avengers somewhere down the line. (laughs) That's <laughs> so weird. So maybe it could just be his body. Who knows? But yeah, you know, it's comics. So some writers like, you know who we haven't seen in a while? Razor <laughs> Fist. Let's put him in an issue of the Avengers. Let's bring back Razor Fist. The fans have been clamoring for it. <sighs> yeah. All right. Well, that's what we have for you this week. Indeed. I don't have anything else, Adam. Do you have anything else? Um. Do you want to do that thing where we guess how many episodes we released and whatnot? Yeah, it's, well, let's. For longtime listeners, you'll know that uh, almost every year, if not every year, we go through and and Adam has statistics and I try to guess what they are. (laughs) What are my statistics? (laughs) Now that it's February, uh, we're going to do it. Better late than never. How many episodes did we release in 2018? I in 2017, we released 30. Oh. And in 2016, we released 29. Oh. And in 2015, we released 30. Whoa. 2014, we released 39. I think that was our uh, best year. Our inaugural, uh, was that our inaugural year? Uh, no, we started in 2011. Oh, okay. Oh, actually, in 2013, we released 40 episodes. Jeez. So that was our that was our best. Wow. Um, the best. Every year I say I want to beat the previous year. You said last year was 30? Last year was 30. The previous year was 29. The previous yeah. year before that was 30. So we did 30, 29, 30. I feel like it would be really difficult. to. I don't think there's any way we release 31 episodes because there's a lot going on in our lives that caused us to miss many weeks. But I didn't think it would be... Um, 54 weeks in a year? 50, is it 54 or, or 50, 56? 50, 50, 54. 50, 50, 50, 52. 52, yeah, 52. So so 26 would be like one every other week. I feel like we did better than that. Uh, I guess I'm going to, gosh, I don't know. Uh, 31, let's go with 31. I feel like that's going to be high, but let's go with 31. You're right, it is high. Oh, 28? Now you're low. Oh, 
29. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> wow. All right. So we just, was it a leap year? Is that why we went? No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't leap year. <laughs> Uh, that's better than I thought. I mean, it's not great. I feel like we should be able to crank more quality episodes out than that, but you know. Well, our best year was 40. That's a lot. Which is pretty, I mean, it's probably as good as we're ever going to get. Right. Um, so we've been pretty consistent around 30, 29, like 2015, 30, 2016, 29, 2017, 30, 2018, 29. So let's see if we can beat 30 this year. My New Year's, no, I just, just we just need to be 29 now. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so 30 it is. Wow. All right. Well, what other what, what other statistics do we have? Is that it? Uh, we covered 21 issues of the Uncanny X-Men. Okay. Um, as opposed to last year, we did 16. Oh. But last year, we covered a lot of supplemental crap. Okay. Uh, this year, we covered the annual 11. And Fantastic Four versus the X-Men, X-Men versus the Avengers, Spider-Man versus Wolverine. Uh, we added Excalibur Special Edition. Uh, so we didn't really add any new titles, uh, except for Marvel Comics Presents. Adam. To our, to our ongoing. Did you did you tally up like all of the issues of comics that we read throughout the year? Uh, no, but I suppose you could. So 21. Uh, oh, including all the supplemental stuff? Yeah. No. That's the stat I want for next year. Uh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> oh, we, we list them out in every single episode. Um, You know, you could be collecting some stats. You could surprise me at the end of the year and be like, well, Adam, I have my own set of stats. It's, it's, I could, but that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I, we cover, we read over at least over a hundred issues of comic books every year. Oh, undoubtedly. I mean, just for this. And that doesn't even include like, you know, our own personal reading. Yeah. So there. Well, I I got a Marvel unlimited subscription, so I've been reading like a lot of stuff just just kind of curiosity to see what what's going on in the rest of the Marvel universe at the same time as the Uncanny X-Men. Is uh Marvel unlimited worth it? I think so, yeah. I mean, if you're going to use it, definitely. Is it uh is it does it have like your linear start to finish reading guides? It has a bunch of those. Not everything is complete. Like I was reading Silver Surfer and there's a huge gap of Silver Surfers. Um, the main stuff, I think like Avengers, X-Men, uh, Daredevil, like all of that is pretty not missing a lot of things. See, if in order for me to, how much is it like per month? I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> In order, I, for, I started in November. In order for it to be worth something for me, like they, so so all of the comics are there, right? Yeah. Except for maybe like this month's titles or maybe even this year's titles, like everything's there, right? I think they're three months behind what's being published okay. now, or, or maybe four months. And that's fair. That's fine. So, so like a, a a new issue of Avengers comes out, like now you won't get it for four months. Yeah. Okay. And that that's fine. That makes sense. The only way that it would be worth my money would be if they like really just geeked it up and they said uh, and they they because they have all of the data uh, in a database like the characters their order of appearances they should have a rough idea of the chronology chronology of when the issues occur within the marvel universe but to be able to go in and configure like i want every appearance of wolverine 
and the order in which I should read it. And you may not be getting whole stories, but you'll like every appearance of Wolverine would be sh- would show up. You'd have like a playlist essentially of your comics. You would go in there and you you would do your reading. They do some things like that, but it's not it's not by like on command. See, that's um, what, that's what. Or I would want like I want everything that so and so artist has drawn or so and so writer has written. Yeah, it's 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 maybe maybe they're building up to that because every so often they'll come out with stuff like follow this artist and see all of their work right. or follow this character and see all the the things that they were in or sometimes it's just the important things that they were in. So they've been like building up all of these lists. And the, and... the other thing I would like to see is uh, I'm sure they have like all of Secret Wars and all of Inferno and all of that stuff. But I want to see... Do you remember when we covered the uh, the Wheel of Mutants? What was that storyline? <laughs> uh, it was like a, there was issues of Captain America, wasn't it? It was all over the place, but the whole arc followed the un. Uh, I can't remember, but the the League of Evil or. You remember it had like uh, yeah, yeah. Cobra no, Commander. I, exactly what you're I can't about. remember, but things like that where you could like drill in and you could be like, "Show me the the Cobra Commander story arc, the one that goes through uh, the Beast stories, Captain America, Hulk, and all that." And then, boom, assemble like that whole reading list of that kind of side story plot that they did. I think that is that is too. Uh, I mean, you, yes, you will definitely be able to, you can already do that with like the major events type stuff, but stuff like that, that don't really fall under any sort of umbrella is going to be a lot tougher. I feel like there's enough, like there's definitely a lot of like just weird side story arcs that kind of work their way through multiple titles. I will say this though, anything that is published, um, as far as in a collection, uh, or a graphic novel of sorts is in this app yeah, and that that group of books that you're talking about is going to be published in an epic collection later this year. Secret Society. Is it called the Secret Society? I don't know what that is. The Secret Society was the, the Cobra Commander. Oh, is that what they were called? I'm pretty sure it was the Secret Society or the Secret Empire. Oh, okay. well, Secret Empire. Secret Empire. Well, that's the thing. I don't know if that's the thing you're referring to, but the Secret Empire is definitely a thing. Okay. Well, anyways, um, yeah. And then the next step would be uh, to make your own epic collection, right? Like, yeah, you can, you can do that. Get, okay. So I could, I could construct, I mean, I guess I could go out to the internet and say, show me all the issues with the secret organization. And then I could just make my own playlist. And then can yeah. I share it with you? Could I be like, Adam, look at this list I assembled. You should read it. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Hmm. I don't think so. But I haven't played around with like that sort of aspect of it. I've mainly been just using it to read stuff that comes out the same week or or month of whatever episode we're doing that month. And that's that's plenty, let me tell you. All right. Well, it doesn't get it's my worth, money until it has all that stuff. It's worth it's worth my money because I've been I've been reading a ton of material that I've never read before in a month. So I'm for what for what I want from it. I'm getting more than my money's worth. I think. Hmm. Okay. And this has been a <laughs> advertisement for Marvel Unlimited. 
I can't find out. I found the secret empire, but I can't find this other. There's also a secret society of supervillains, but that wasn't it. Oh, well, I can't remember. Go back to our episodes covering that. Like we had two or three of them. It's not that important. Adam, it's time. Missing material. It's time to wrap this episode up. Okay. (laughs) So until next time, my name is Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Adam. (laughs) And, uh, I don't know if you caught all that, but the danger room is now closed. (laughs) 